Alrighty, guys. Last week, if you were here, I spoke on the love of God, and really, what I was trying to do was to press the Father heart of God into us in a biblical, experiential way to know the love of God, the way that He speaks about us, the way that He calls us precious, calls us adopted, and we particularly looked at three enemies. I'm not going to go into them. You can go and you can listen to it again if you haven't, or you can watch it or listen to it, whatever you'd like to do. But I want to speak about how we know the love of God. Like if, you, if you're sitting and you're saying, well, I... I hear what you were saying last week, I can see it in God's Word, but I just struggle to ongoingly feel or to know the love of God in my life. What I'm hoping for this morning, and I'm taking a bit of a risk in in the preach, and you'll see why in the way that I'm going about it, I feel a little bit nervous actually. Um, But I want to really leave us with, with five handles that we can go, if I want to know more of the love of God, here are five things that I can do or five ways that I can position myself or position my life in order to experience more of the love of God. Anyone on board with that? All right, so deeply practical, hopefully deeply applicable into our lives. But as I start, and I've been praying for this preach for the last two weeks, and I just wanted to start with just lingering on the preciousness of love. I don't know how many of you have felt deeply loved in this world. I have a wonderful wife who loves me way more than I ought to be loved. And one of the most precious things is when someone gets to know you, really know you, and still loves you. That's a phenomenal thing. When they know you and they see that moment, and not just like when you're dating that moment, but then they see it for, we married seven, 17 years. They see it a lot of times. Moment of insecurity there. <laughs> Double checking 2005. And they see those things a lot of times, and yet they still love you. It's a very precious thing. Very precious. It's one of the things that I would hold up without doubt as the most precious in my life. Far beyond any physical car, house, anything. Someone delights in you. Someone affirms you. Someone cares for you, surprises you. Consider not just the preciousness of love, but the precious effects of love on our lives. I I remember this when I was early married, I think we just had Esther, perhaps, I think we were about two years married or so, and I remember uh, starting businesses and feeling uh, like it's, that, that month end just came so quickly and you had a huge amount of staff to pay and you're under a huge amount of pressure, and sometimes it just feels like the world is caving in, right? It's just completely overwhelming, and I remember one day just realizing that if I felt like Kate loved me and I loved her and I was good there, everything else just kind of dissipated. Like I didn't, not that I didn't care about anyone else, but I didn't really care that much about the other things that were going on in my life because I felt like there was a center where I was loved, where I was known. And so the effects of love on our life, you can see this, especially in children, because children haven't had filters. They don't, they don't have filters. They haven't learned how to hide their emotions that well yet. So you can see when a child is loved or not loved, you can see how quickly this thing comes out. It's very obvious the way that their world is okay when they feel secured and they feel loved and there's a joyfulness and their world is not okay when they don't feel those things or they didn't get the sweet that they want or anything else that the filters still haven't come up with yet right but we were we were made for love like fish were made for water we were god designed us this is god's design he made us 
for love. Now, earthly love is important, and I've been just speaking about the preciousness of love, but how much more so than the love of God? How much more precious is the love of God to us? When the Father begins to speak, as we just last week, I said I was trying to do, to speak the love of the Father over you, that you are chosen, that you're adopted, that God was thinking about you before the world was created. That's a lot of thinking. I love it when my wife thinks about me, and she thinks about me in the morning, and, and you know, in the evening she gives me a chocolate, because she thought about me when she went in the shops and saw my favorite chocolate. That, that's just one, you know, 12 hours. God thought about me before the world was created. He's been thinking about me for thousands of years, it's incredibly precious. The love of God. Consider the effects of the love of God in us. Ephesians that we've been studying is so profound around the effects of the love of God and how it secures us in fresh identity. Precious things. And I don't want to spend too long there, but I want to, I want to focus this morning on how practically we receive the love of God. What does the Bible teach us about the practicals of how God loves me and loves you. Thank you, Eskim. We now have an inverter. Hooray. So here's the congregation part. I'm going to hand out, well, ask some people to hand out, loads of these sticky notes. Can I ask you to get into groups? So you have to just break these things apart, all right? Get into groups of like four or five people. I mean, you guys are big people. You can do them as big as you like, small as you like. Go for it. And on these little pages, I want you to write the ways that you feel loved. All right? Just the way that you feel loved. If you feel loved when someone buys you an ice cream, write when someone buys me an ice cream. You can be specific. You can be vague. You're big people. You can go for it. All right. Who can I... Who will come and help me here? Yes, guys, come and help me. Will you take those things, break them into bits and hand out pens? Yeah, like one per group. All right, and will you guys just split into groups? Just for the next five minutes or so, we're just going to do this exercise. Go for it. All right, everybody. All right, all right. Let's get back into some form of order here. All right, I'm going to need two lovely assistants. Who would love to be my two lovely assistants? Jono, yes, thank you. And, uh, no, Jack. Come on, Jack. All right, Jonna, you're on the left. Jack, you're on the right. All right. Let me, um, let me tell you what we're doing here. Okay, when we were first married, just on our wedding day, actually, three older couples for our wedding gift gave us the five love languages. Anyone ever read that book? Anybody? A few. All the rage... All the rage back then. But you know what really struck me is that each of these, it was all older couples that gave it to us, and each of them communicated in some way or another how hard they had found it to love one another and how this book had opened up like a world for them of understanding. And actually it was with like compassion that they were giving us these, these books. They were so thoughtfully trying to spare us the hurt of their experience of someone trying to love someone with so much and really not knowing how to love them very well. And the other person thinking like, why don't you love me like this? Why do you always try and love me like that? Why don't you love me like this? Okay, so for those of you who are not familiar with the five love languages, uh, will you put them up for us, Christian? Over there. And um, so physical touch is that when we, we feel loved and when, we, when we're intimate, when we're close, when someone hugs us, when someone shakes our hand, whatever it can be. Gifts, I mean, who doesn't love gifts? But this is not just about enjoying getting a gift. This is about feeling deeply loved when you receive a gift. 
quality time. I mean, that one speaks for itself. I feel loved when we sit down and we have coffee and we stare into each other's eyes or whatever it may be and we spend an hour together. There's no cell phones. There's no one distracting us. It's just you and me. That's quality time. Words of affirmation. You guys just look wonderful today. You are just my favorite congregation in the whole world. Some of you are just feeling like so loved right now. You know, that's, that's, that's me. Words of affirmation. Um, and acts of service, uh, doing things for one another, all right? So now I'll tell you a little story about that just now. But I'm, I'm pretty certain that there's, there might be one or two like wild harebrain ideas out there on your pages, but pretty much all of them will fit somewhere in those five categories, all right? So that's what my lovely assistants are for. So if you guys can just shout out what you've got, so anyone or anywhere, and if someone else has said something similar, just don't shout your one out, all right? And let's just take them and stick them on those different spaces and just see how we go. All right, so go for it. Sergio, give us one. Did you write quality time? Have you got like five notes there with just one of each of the love languages? Okay, somebody else from this side, give us one. Go on, Beth, give us one. What do you have? All of the hugs. Okay, lots of hugs. Physical touch. What else do we have? What did you, but give, me, give me your actual example. like Affection. When someone is affectionate. Physical affection. Okay, so you like a hug. Okay. Everyone in that group likes hugs. They just hugged it out. All right. I have one here from... Is this yours, Wesley? Breakfast in bed. Make an effort to see me when my brothers hug me when they don't want to. How could you not want to hug Wesley, guys? So there's physical touch there. There's quality time there. There's acts of service there. Breakfast or bed. Stick it somewhere. Any, any others? Just keep them coming. You like it when people are nice. What's that? Words of affirmation. <laughs> I'm guessing. Words of affirmation. Kind and gentle words. Yes, Pierre. Gifts. Or acts of service. It depends. But so, that one, do you want to grab one there? Acts of service. What else have we got? You love my hugs. What, Vim? <laughs> Say it again. <laughs> When they tell you that they love you, okay? So that's words of affirmation. Yes, go for it. Active listening. Like when they really listen to you. So where would you put that for you? So in your example, would that be quality time? Someone took time to sit with you and really hear you, really listen to you? Or do you find it like it's words of affirmation? For me, that would be quality time. Quality time. Okay, we've got a quality time there. Robs, what do you got? Being able to sleep in, active service from your children. I would put that under discipline. You get a smack if you wake up before eight. Yes. Megs? Oh, the quintessential act of service. Wash the dishes. Make the bed. Okay, have we got the idea? Okay, I think we got the idea. Thanks, guys. You can actually pull those back off. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to see our scriptures. <laughs> But you know, you guys did so well. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for serving us. Give me a hug. There we go. Oh, there we go. All of them, all of them rolled into one. All right. So it really is, it really is an incredibly universal thing. Just those five ways that we give and receive 
love. And so when I was thinking about how to speak about how, how we grow in knowing the love of God, it suddenly just dawned on me. I was sitting down by the river down that side, and I was just thinking about God's love, and I thought, wow, God made me, created me, built me with these five receptors. These are the ways I feel love. Now, some of us would feel much more loved in certain ways. So when we did this, uh, in, in, the, in one of those three books, there's like a little quiz and you have to like fill in all the different questions and then it tells you like what your love languages are. On acts of service, I think were you 19 out of 20? No. I think somewhere, somewhere reasonable, 18 out of 20. <laughs> it was like up there and mine, I'd love to say it was close, but it was one out of 20. In my home where I grew up, acts of service was not a big deal. People did a lot of stuff for one another, but it was not loving. It was just, we do it because we do it. Words of affirmation for me are huge. Someone saying, man, I love when you do that. There's just this love of God. Like It's so affirming for me when I hear words of affirmation. And so we're going to take those five things. And the, the basic premise I'm working off this morning is that if God created us to receive love like that from one another, surely he made us like him to also receive love from him in those ways. And then there's actually quite a few layers here, and I'd love to... I'd love to spend some time on them, but I'm not going to this morning at all. I just do not have the space. But the one very obvious way that God loves us through these love languages is through all the one another's. And you think how many times you felt the love of God through someone giving you a thoughtful gift. Or someone speaking words of encouragement over you. Or someone just saying, man, you look so down. You look so tired. Can I have some quality time? Well, they're not going to use those words, but can, can I take you for a coffee and just tell me all about it? And how often we receive the love of God right here in this room, one to another, one person to another. So that's one layer. We're not really going to spend much time on that. Another layer that I thought of, which is, which is one I've been just pondering on a little bit, is um, how I love God. If God made me to receive love like this, in some way does God love to receive love like this? And so we're going to... Think about that a little bit, little bit of parts, but it's just, I'm just throwing those out as two extra, extra layers for those of you who love homework and doing more than what we did on the Sunday, you know. The question we're asking is, how do I grow in receiving, knowing, experiencing the love of God in each of these areas? And so we're literally going to take each of those five things and we're going to just read scripture and look at scripture and how it unpacks how God loves us in these ways. All right, you're on board. All right, words of affirmation. Can I actually just pray for us? I haven't prayed yet. Father, it's so good to be your children. It's so good to be before you. Thank you for leaving us an incredible record of your love through the word of God. Thank you that as we turn to your word week after week, Father, that you're speaking. You literally speak words. It's this living word that speaks over us. Father, we want to know you more. We want to know you to the depth of our heart, Lord. We don't want to just have intellectual thoughts about you. We don't want to just have understanding in the very Western way of compartmentalizing our understanding of God into this cerebral space. We want to know you. We want to experience you. Like the writer of Ephesians asks, how, how can we know the love of God, the, the depth, the width? And it's an experiential thing. Father, would you come this morning and just 
you know what each of us is doing, what we need, where our lives are at. And thank you that by the power of the gift of your Holy Spirit, you just massage these truths into us in the name of Jesus. Amen. So our structure, we're just going to do what it is. I'll give you a brief definition, and we'll look at some scriptures, and we'll look at a tiny bit of application, and go on to the next one. Do that five times, and we're done. Words of affirmation. So this is, I already said it, but these are words that communicate love and appreciation for another person. So a person who's high on this, when someone speaks encouragement to you, when someone you get a message that says how great you are, or someone says I love you, or your or mom or dad says I love you, that is going to be a wonderful experience for you. Conversely, when you don't receive those things, it can be very damaging for you. When you grow up in a home that is not very loving or affirming in their words, and instead is cutting or harsh, it can feel like it cuts that tree right down, like in your heart, that little tree as it's busy growing. Now, in a, in a very real way, all of Scripture in some way is words of affirmation. As you read more and more and more the story of Scripture, and when you look at it in its, in its holistic sense, and God's pursuit of us, God's pursuit of Israel is unbelievable when you go and you read it. And every time I read it, and I think like, these silly people, like God does this, and he takes them through the, 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 the ocean, I mean, like separates the Red Sea, he does miracle after miracle, and still they turn away. And then somewhere in my musings about how silly the Israelites are, every time God gets me with, yes, but that's a picture of you. I go, oh yes, wow, and you rescued me. So these words of affirmations in the, in, the, in the big story of Scripture of how God pursues us and loves us and has chosen us and cares for us. But I want to read some more explicit texts because I think it just makes it so personal. One of the quintessential and most beautiful texts must be Psalm 139. It has to be. I'll read some of it for you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Will you say that with me? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I think that was really hard for some people to say. Fearfully, wonderfully made. Your works, talking about how you made me, are wonderful. Have you ever looked at yourself and said in the mirror and just said, you're wonderful. This is self-assurance, yeah. But this is what God's word says over us. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, you saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So affirming. You're not here on some purposeless journey. Before I was even born, before I was being formed, God is plotting out a plan. He knew that I would be standing here preaching this morning, that you'd be sitting here in Stellenbosch on this, what is it, 18th of September? October? No, September, Bates. <laughs> bro, get behind me, Satan. Before one of them came to be, how, how precious are your thoughts, God? How vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. God, your thoughts for me, for just one individual out of 
How many? What are we now? Seven billion? Your thought, if I just took your thoughts for me, they would be more than this. We don't think like this. I don't, I don't think like this. I remember a moment. Sorry to keep on using you, my girl. I don't like to use my kids too much. But I remember a moment when I was holding Esther when she was about, I don't know, three or four months old. And I remember being in this room and we we're in Somerset West. And I was just, I'm not a dancer at all. I'm a terrible, terrible dancer. But I just felt like almost like, like, almost like ballet. I'm honest. Just like, I was just dancing with this girl. And just, just like, and that, that scripture from Zephaniah was what was running in my head where he says he, he delights over you. He sings over you. And in that moment, I remember God saying to me, your dad did this. And it just stopped me in my tracks. I, I was the, the fourth child, but I was the first son. But I did, my family are not words of affirmation people. didn't feel this, this sense of love. And in that moment where God spoke that to me, it was so precious. I just remember weeping and weeping as I realized that my mom and dad had longed for a son. And it longed for me. And that somewhere in the translation, maybe that got lost, or even just in my own mind. As the, de- as the devil, we mustn't forget, is a serious deceiver. And even as our parents are trying their best to love us, he comes and sows doubt and, and deception to the degree where some, some of the things I think about my parents are probably just lies. It's the honest truth. While I was in sabbatical, I was away at a retreat. And there was an older a lady, I'd never met her, and uh, she had a very interesting name. Her name was Siri, which is like the, <laughs> like Siri, like on Apple, right? She's a Norwegian lady. And um, I, I, I saw her. We were in a, in a like a, a meeting together, and I felt God remind me of that word. And I'm saying this just like Bates was saying earlier. Not blow my horn. I'm just trying to tell you how God speaks so specifically into people's lives. And I, I felt that this word was for her. So I went to her and I said. I don't, know, I don't know you, I don't know your history, but I just have a sense of a father delighting over you and told her the story of, of a little child being held and danced with, like joyfully danced with. And she just began to weep. And she said to me, my mom wanted to abort me. She was wanting, to, and my dad had to fight her to keep me. And that, just that word from God, of just God delight, the father, it was just the specific, the father holding this girl and delighting in this girl. Even as Bates shared that word this morning, the Lord just dropped into my heart that maybe some in this, in our room, some have that, that, that grief over a child lost was actually through abortion, was through a choice. And you need to know that the father forgives you. When we repent of those things, the Father rushes in as if it never happened. He loves you. His forgiveness is total. It's complete. I want to speak that over us this morning. Isaiah 43, we're speaking about words of affirmation. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Paul called your name you think your parents gave it to you god gave it to you your name i read this one last week one john three john is the beloved disciple and he writes so beautifully about love the verse bates read earlier was one john two i think you read in the worship 
in prayer. See what great love is so enthusiastic. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And my words of affirmation is just going like off the charts when I read the stuff that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And honestly, I didn't know where to stop this point because all of these ones, all five of them, there is just scripture verse after scripture verse after scripture verse. This is not isolated little incidents here. There are hundreds of them which just speak this affirmation of the love of God. Now, I come back to our question. We're very practically trying to ask, how do we know? How do we experience the love of God? Friends, how you grow in this, how you grow in understanding the love of the Father is that you read your Bible again and again and again. And as you read it, you ask God to speak His Word over you rather than the words that the world and everybody else and your family and even your people who love you in their own brokenness speak words of hurt and pain and disappointment over our lives. And so when I don't feel like a son, I go back to God's Word and I say, God, I don't, I don't pretend that I do. I, I go to God and I say, I, I don't feel like this. Remind me that I'm your son. Remind me that your love is unceasing because it feels like it's stopped. Feels like it's stopped and I need to be reminded that it's unceasing. Or you're going through a tragedy or a personal crisis or a health crisis and you go, God, are you faithful? This is the reality of our Christian walk. Let's not pretend. And we come and say, God, I don't feel like you're faithful. I feel let down by XXX, whatever it is. Remind me that you are faithful. And God's words of affirmation speak over us again and again and again. Gerard, there's a beautiful gift in you for this words of affirmation. I've felt it in my own life. I've seen it when I've come to your medical practice. And I want to just blow more and more wind. Guys, you don't need to be up here preaching to be a powerful minister of God's word. Gerard preaches, Dr. Gerard, I should call you here, <laughs> preaches in his surgery week after week after week. Words of affirmation to young men and women, students coming into that place, broken. They come in because they got a cold or they got flu, but really they come in because God says, you need to go there. <laughs> this is who our ministry. I want to just encourage you to keep on keeping on. Words of affirmation, a precious thing. I need to go so much faster. One of the things that makes me feel so loved is just quality time with you guys. <laughs> just quality time. Oh. Okay, let's go. Quality time. To think about this one in relation to God, but I, I think it's when Scripture speaks about the presence of God, being with God, being near God, God coming near to us. I think this is the, this is the quality time one. There's an obvious link back for us spending time with God and how as we spend time with God, we understand more of the love of God, right? But the Bible language for this is God's presence and we know God is omnipresent. Right? God is everywhere all at once, which is a precious truth that if, if you're in the, in the, you know, in a slave ship or if you're in a church, that the presence of God is with you in both of those places. That's a precious truth. But I think this is something a little bit different. We see throughout scripture examples of where God comes, not just in an omnipresent way, but comes nearer comes closer for time with his people. You think about um, Egypt and the, and the Israelites leaving this nation. They, f 
400 years, they've been in slavery. They have no judicial system. They have no way of knowing how to govern themselves. They have no one who knows how to lead them. And God comes and they're terrified. Of course, they've got the, the, they've got the USA army, effectively. They've got the strongest army in the world. I don't know if China's overtaken them yet. Rushing in behind them to destroy them. And they've got, they've got nothing. Some garden forks, maybe. And God comes with his presence and he puts a cloud of fire between them and the Egyptians. And during the day, it's like just a normal cloud right over the whole assembly, keeping them cool in the desert. And at night, it warms them up. And this, this continues for years and years and years. It's remarkable, the story, when you go and read it. And it's this presence. And when they build the tabernacle, we then see God's presence coming down. There's a beautiful section in Ezra, Nehemiah, and, and Haggai, where they, those three books are kind of the rebuilding of the temple after they've come back from um, exile. right? And there's a beautiful section where the, where the, the old people who, who saw the first temple are weeping. They're so upset because they're like, this temple is nothing compared to what we had. Solomon built this glorious temple. We saw it with our own eyes. And now we've got this little fiddly new thing here that just is like a school hall, for goodness sake, you know. And then the presence of God comes. And the weeping turns to joy and turns to delight. And they start dancing and celebrating because it's the presence of God. It's the time. It's the, it's the being near to a God, a God who draws Near to us. And then, I mean, that's, that's the Old Testament examples. But what better example could we look for than Jesus, Emmanuel? God, who is always there, but who suddenly comes very near. Came and lived among you. Let's read some scripture. John 1 verse 14. The Word, so another way of saying Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory The glory of the one and only God who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John in another section says, that that, that which we have seen, that which we have touched, that's what he lived among us. It's like it's we we have time with him right here. Philippians, the beautiful text in Philippians, being God, being very Jesus, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing. You know that text came down dwelt among us listen to this for god's enduring insistence on his presence in our lives romans 8 what a text romans 8 38 we'll throw all these up afterwards and you can also get them so you don't have to worry too much about getting them i'd really love as i'm just reading it just to wash over us just let some of these truths just wash over you this is what romans says for i am convinced say convinced i'm certain I'm secure, I'm sure, I'm confident that neither, and now he goes after some big ticket items. These are not small things. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, just in case you haven't got the grandeur of what he's talking about, nothing, nothing, nothing will be what? Able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, do we live like this? 
wherever we go. Psalm 139 again is a beautiful psalm to actually look at this through. But where can I go from your spirit, David says? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Deuteronomy 31. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I remember a number of years ago going through a a very difficult period of my life relationally with some friends. And I I remember a realization during that time. I felt so misunderstood. I felt so misrepresented. It was just a very emotional time. I, I felt quite depressed, to be honest. And I remember in that moment realizing with great clarity that there was only one relationship in the entire world where I would never be misunderstood where my motives would never be questioned. And it wasn't my marriage relationship. It was my time with Jesus. It was the one relationship and the only relationship in the entire world that I could ever experience where he would know me and love me and look at my motives and go, Paul, you don't even know why you're doing this, but I do. It's a precious, precious thing when we understand this time with Jesus, this quality Time. That's a bit of a stretch, but you know what I'm trying to say. How do we know this love of God? Just end off practically, we spend time with Him. We learn to be in His presence, in that close presence. We seek His presence. We don't just bounce from one church experience to another church experience. No, in our, in our personal time, we wake up and we say, Father, I want to be near you. I want to be with you. Help me to draw near to you. Friends, we meditate. We fill our minds with the thoughts of God. We worship. Sing your heart out. Find a playlist. Whatever it is, we worship. We we linger. We take time. We will not know the presence of God if it's just our five minutes to work and back each day. And that's, that's the quota. That God gets. We will not know this nearness of the presence of God. Let's speak about acts of service. Are you following me as this making sense? Is it helpful? Okay. I'm really trying to just answer that question. How do you grow in knowing the love of God? The third way that you can is acts of service. This is a little definition here. Showing your love by your actions. Small or big. Okay. Showing your love by your actions. Small or big. I'll never forget being in Peter Maritzburg. We are studied and um, going to a prayer meeting. It was a citywide prayer meeting. Lots of churches came together. There was a band that was not our band that was doing uh, the worship. And um, it was this wonderful karaoke moment. Do you remember the Ronan, Ronan Keating song? It's amazing. Come on, sing with me. How you can speak right to my heart. Come on, Nate. Right? So... That, that song was like the big rage at the time. It's like going out all over the airwaves. Anyway, this guy, this guy leading the worship starts singing that song. And I'm like, where are you going with this, buddy? And this is where he went. It's amazing how you can speak right to my heart, dot, 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 Jesus, without saying a word. And he just carried on, right? But then the best part came in the chorus when it was, you said it best when you just died for us all. <laughs> true story and I just stood in worship and laughed (laughs) and laughed some more and it was not the Holy Spirit kind of laughter but this 
these acts of service, I mean, that just felt so trivial to me as we sang, just died for us. You know, just, just kind of just, it's precious. What, what more could God have done? Matthew 20 says it like this, this says it like this. Just, this is actually Jesus talking about himself. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We know this. This is, the, this is the triangle inverted. It's not the people who serve Jesus, the elders at the top. We should be at the bottom. It should be service. Christian leadership is service. And the corporate world is actually catching on to this. I love hearing how the corporate world is now starting to talk about servant leadership. But this is a Jesus. This is the, the, the essence of the gospel. This is 1 John 3. This is how, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. You say, what is love? This is how you know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. As a parent of lots of little children, one of your jobs is to try and teach them acts of service. Okay, those called chores. Right? <laughs> Dishwasher, do your bed, clean your room. And it's it's been, it's been really startling for me, because in my memory, I was doing that at four years old. I really wasn't. But it's startling for me how long this journey takes and how often you go, like, I, I read stuff about like, how pliable the child's brain is and like, how much they learn in that phase of life. And I'm like, no, they don't. It's garbage. <laughs> and you've got to tell them again and again and again. And, and this is our role. The parents, we teach our children acts of service. And when I read this verse, this 1 John 3.16, I just thought, how beautiful. This is Jesus going, this is how you do it. I'll, I'll show you. I'll teach you. I'll teach you how to love. And that's how we then love. We learn our acts of service from the greatest act of service that ever was. So we ask the question, how do we know the love of God? How do you grow? You want to practically grow in knowing the love of God. Well, we receive God's love through the way he served the world, and then we respond. We look at Jesus and we go, that's how you served us. That's how you served the world. And so I want to serve. And it's amazing how often our understanding of the love of God grows tremendously as we serve others. Has anyone else experienced that? As you do, and guys, you know this church, we are not a doing gospel. We are not a do for your salvation. We don't even have to go there today, all right? We know that, but there's something very precious as we begin to obey and actually do, because God's word does call us not just to respond to Christ for ourselves, but then to begin to outwork that to those around us. And we feel the pleasure and the love of God as we learn to obey him. It's always amazing for me that the, the commendation when Jesus teaches about what God's going to say when we come into heaven, for those of us who have done this, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest because you've worked hard. Now you can rest. You know, there's, there's this dynamic that's, that's inescapable when we look at God's word. All right, physical touch, number four. Little definition, physical touch is feeling loved by physical touch and intimacy. That's why I'm a hugger. This one is high for me as well. Words of affirmation and physical touch. And hopefully as you're going through these, you're going, 
that one is the one that those two, those three. And there's a lot of overlap, right? I mean, I can give Kate a chocolate, which is a gift, with a, a little letter and a hug, which is, you know, a whole bunch rolled in, in one, you know? It's like, but these things, they're not, they're not neat. They're not like neat categories. They're kind of fun. Would you like that, babes? <laughs> Feeling loved by physical touch and intimacy. So James 4 verse 8 says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. I'm thinking here about, the, about those moments in, in my life where I've, I've felt almost physically loved by God. I had one this week, actually. Where the advanced conference was this week. It was, it was the best conference I've been to. It was incredible. The, it was in Cape Town. Next year, first week in August, is the advanced conference. I really encourage you to book that first week and come. It's just three days. I don't know what it was, but the first day when I walked in, nothing had been said, nothing had been sung. But as I just stood toward the front, the worship team were getting ready to lead. I just began to feel a deep, deep sense of the Spirit of God on me. And I could hardly sing. That whole worship set, I just felt choked up. We sang, we sang in, um, and it was before we started singing in different languages, but there was something incredible. I think we sang in five languages, over six languages, over the, over the three days. A lot of songs, not just like, you know, the one, the one song. We, we sang in, in Tosa, we sang in Zulu, we sang in Tetswana, I think, um, Sutu. Afrikaans and English, I think, were the, were the languages. But as we sang, and it just felt like about half of the people in that room were people of, of different color to myself. And I just felt like something of heaven is, is here. feels like something of that, that great throne moment is, is here. This is, this is more what it's meant to be like than our, than our largely white Stellenbosch. You know? And it was precious. And there's, there's those moments where we just feel like the presence of God is, is like physically touching us, like it's close. God often, um, I've seen God touch people in, in various dramatic ways. For me, I'm the unlucky guy who just cries a lot. You know, everyone else is having like these experiences. I just weep. But that's okay. I'm so grateful for the touch of, of God on my life. Now, this like last week, I know this makes some of you very uncomfortable. But there it is. Hebrews chapter 4 says, Therefore, I love this text. Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. When you're struggling with sin, Jesus gets it. That little point right there. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Now listen to this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Confident before the God, Father. Right, let's carry on. Revelation 3.20. Here I am. You know, last week I spoke about the guys who use the word daddy when they, when they pray. And it makes me uncomfortable. The other thing that makes me uncomfortable is when people... But, but we did... Sorry, for those who weren't here, just clarify. We did, I did say that actually probably closer to the biblical text than what we realize. Much closer when you see Abba Father, just because it makes me uncomfortable, but actually it's, it's definitely there. This is another one a little bit like that. Have you heard people who are like, I'm going to have a breakfast with Jesus? Have you ever heard that? <laughs> I'm just going to have some time with Jesus. We're just going to have like a chat together. You know, we're going to be like in this very, and I, I just get a bit like, Ugh. and then I read Revelation 3.20. Here I am, Jesus speaking. I stand at the door and knock. That's of my heart. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in 
and eat with that person. And they with me. The old biblical language there says sup with me. Like have supper with me. It's very, very intimate. I'm going to have breakfast with Jesus. Kind of language, right? Very beautiful. It's those moments where we're with one another and we feel loved. Don't just know it theoretically. No, you're in my home. You're at my table. There's love. You feel belong. The last one, Ephesians 3. And this, I think, I think Nate, I think you actually wrestled with this when we were going through Ephesians because it was the text that you preached, this Ephesians 3. And the, the resounding conclusion, if you, if you know Nate, he's, he's not the, the most huggy in the, in the whole world. Not like the seeking emotion Christian, if I want to say it like that. Like this, I, I don't know if you'd go to a soaking evening. <laughs> Let's put it like that. And I remember speaking with Nate through this text as he was getting ready to preach it. And he was really wrestling with it because the, all the books he was reading, the cerebral side, almost the theologians because he's a teacher, all that side were all pointing to this is experiential. This is experiential. This is the verse. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of God. And that's the part that all of them are saying that we're supposed to experience that. Not know it like in a classroom, know it. It's this is the being touched by God. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, goes beyond knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Guys, this 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 clicks out into so many different ways. Creation, for me, is a place where I often feel the physical touch of God upon my life. Might be during worship for you, etc., etc. You can let the Holy Spirit apply that into your life. But I think the big question about number four, about how we how we grow in this area, I think the biggest resistance to this is simply just a willingness to let God come near. Simply just a willingness to actually say, God, I want to be touched by you. I want you physically to be near me and to feel it and to know it and to be touched by the Father. And the last one, very similarly actually to acts of service, is gifts. Because again, Jesus is our, Jesus is what we look to here. The little definition, feeling loved when you receive thoughtful gifts. What an understatement when we think of Jesus. But this is, this is the whole Bible summed up. God gave. God gave. That's it. So this, this gifts. God gave. And he gave so much. I mean, there's so many different thoughts here. But one of them is the Holy Spirit. How he poured out the Holy Spirit. Romans 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Given to us. Our care. The gift of our care, where Matthew 5, one of my favorite texts, where he's speaking about Solomon and all his glory and the birds of the air, and he says, won't I care for you more than this? Won't I care for you more than this? And not like, you know, your Mercedes, this is like food, clothing, like your basics. God's saying, I'll even care for those things. I'll care for, for all of it. Our, our good, our, our, it's, when we read, when we read texts like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, and it speaks about the gifts given. 
And we get all hung up on who's the gift of prophecy, who's the gift of apostleship, or is that still relevant today, all of those things. The biggest lesson I take out of that text is that God loves us so much that he gave us gifts so that we would be strong, so that the church could grow up. That's the point of Ephesians 12. It's not about arguing about which gift and how it plays out. It's actually that they may be mature, that they may be strong is the gift. There's something similar I saw the other day. I've just been in, in Corinthians about five months ago or so. I was going through Corinthians in my personal devotions. And I think we get so hung up on the, um, on the gifts, on the, spiritual, on the spiritual gifts of healing and these different things. And it just says they're for the good of the body or for the building up of the body. It just made me realize again, wow, we, we get so hung up on how this gift operates and who's got it and whatnot. And actually, it's just right there in, the, in Corinthians. It just says, this is for the good of the body. It's supposed to be that Bates can go, I need something, oh, and you have it. Awesome. And then obviously, let's finish here, our salvation. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is, this aid with me, gift of God. This is the greatest gift. Not by works so that no one can boast. John 3.16, we know this so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And one of the advanced preachers this week, the one guy said, what we're called to do is if we have two, we give one. If I have two jackets, I should look for someone who doesn't have one and give him one jacket. He says that's what God calls us to do. But what God did is he didn't have two. He had one. One son. And he gave the one son away. It's a precious way to frame that. How do we know the love of God in this fifth area? Gifts is not uh, really my thing. I don't feel very loved. I love gifts, but it's not the area that I feel personally very deeply loved if someone gives me even a thoughtful gift. But this one has been one of the most precious ways that God has shown me his love. So I meditate on Jesus, I'm convinced that the deepest and most lasting truth of the love of God across, across the board will not come from a profound momentary experience. I'm convinced that it's not a worship moment or, and God does speak powerfully in those moments. But I think that the enduring echo of the love of God over us, a long and enduring looking at the cross of Jesus Christ is what births that in our heart how that displays God's love. We gaze on the cross, not just once or twice, but over and over and over and over again, enduringly looking at the cross, slowly, meditatively, until the experience of the love of God gradually begins to take over our lives, my life. And looking back, I'm looking back already on 34 years of knowing Jesus. And as we look back over these Years, you see this cross of Jesus beginning to bleed into all the cracks of our lives as we start to love in a way like Jesus loves and we start to mature in a way like Jesus matured because we've been looking at the cross again and again and again, looking at this greatest of all gifts. One last thought. Don't scorn the gifts. Don't scorn the words of affirmation. Don't scorn physical touch. Notice that just because we don't feel certain things in certain ways sometimes we then go oh that's not really very relevant or that's not very helpful in the body of christ man there's a variety we're we're a tree and each one of us is a leaf that's a very different thing that god's made and for someone 
Don't scorn God's physical touch and the presence of God. For you, it might not be a very important thing. For someone else, it might be the very lifeblood of God that connects them to knowing the love of the Father. Don't scorn the person who's cerebral and who wants to read their Bible for 15 hours every day. That God might be doing something so profound, speaking words of affirmation over that person. And I just want to encourage us to have grace one to another as these things are different in diversity and, and strength. In us. Amen? Amen? Five easy ways for you to press into the love of God. Sorry, I know I was a little bit long. I did warn you up front that quality time is important for me. We're going to take communion together. As we close, we'll still be done by 11. I want to just remind us that for those of you who do not know Christ, this is not for you. I don't say that harshly. I don't say that to be mean to you or because I don't want to love you. I say that because I absolutely do love you. And God's word is very clear that if we do not follow and obey and turn in repentance to God, that communion, what we're doing here is reminding ourselves that we are brought into the body of Christ. As we eat the, the bread and we drink the wine or the grape juice, it reminds us that this is what we have come into, the body of Jesus Christ. We are part of the community of Jesus Christ, which is why we do it all together. And so if you are not part of that community yet, it would be horrible for me to say you can pretend you are. So that's the one side of communion. You can't do it. But if you want to know this God, you absolutely can. Straight away. You can know the love of Jesus. We repent. We turn from our sin. We say, Father, I can see it. I'm so sorry. I want you to be my God. I want you to be my Father. And then you can take communion. So how's that for a proposition? <laughs> I want to remind you, not just those of you who don't know Jesus. There's believers, those of you who do know Jesus, who are in willful sin. What this means is that you know God has shown you something that is wrong and you still want to continue in it. Communion is not for you right now. Part of being excluded from it is a grace to you that you're reminded that actually this is important and I want to ask God to give me grace to actually want to deal with this thing in my life. I'm not talking about oopsies here. I'm not talking about mistakes. I'm talking about a willful continuation in disobedience. Communion is not for you. And lastly, the last one is that if you have something in your heart against a brother or a sister... And this morning, God brings it to mind before we take communion. Just refrain from taking communion. If you've got an anger or an offense, and, and again, this is if you don't really want to sort it out. You don't feel that you're in a place that you can sort this thing out. If you've tried and it's not from your side, be free. Have communion. But if there's something that you know you need to go and deal with, either don't take communion or commit in your heart, and preferably even to a friend, and say, God's shown me I need to deal with this thing with this person. I'm committing to doing it and then be free to take communion. All right? I just, I don't, we don't do this often where we just speak about who doesn't take communion. But I think it's just important to sometimes just pause remember the seriousness of what it is as we eat the body of Jesus and drink his blood. Father, thank you for this community. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for the love you pour out. Thank you for... The one another is that we're walking with, the way that you show us love through one another, but thank you mostly for the way that you show us your love in Jesus. How you show us your love through your word, how you show it to us with your presence coming near us. All of these things that we're speaking about this morning, Lord Jesus. 
And as we come to the communion table this morning, Lord, would you minister to us. Let it not just be another little humdrum thing that we do, a little habit that we go through. But Father, would you speak into our hearts the truth of the gospel again and again as we eat and drink it, as we trying more and more to be like Jesus. Every time we eat some more of Jesus, make us more like Jesus. Pray these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you want to have communion but you don't know Jesus, find a friend. Pray with them. Ask them to lead you to Jesus and then have joyful communion. Come on, let's go.